Hey folks, today's episode is pretty special and fans of Protect the Hustle are some of the first to hear this news. We've got a brand new show focused specifically on SaaS finance teams. It's called Beyond the Budget. Each episode provides an intimate look into the person behind the CFO title, revealing their struggles, their triumphs, and their lessons learned. Think of it as a superhero origin story for your finance team leaders, or how I built this for CFOs. You don't need to go anywhere. Once I finish talking, you'll hear the first episode of the show, and it features Hassan Ahmad, CFO of What the Fast. The show is hosted by our very own Danielle Keevan, a finance team leader at Paddle. We'll be back with brand new episodes of Protect the Hustle next week. But if you enjoy this episode, you can find Beyond the Budget wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as in the show notes of this episode. Enjoy! What does a laid-back game of cricket and the intense driving tones of electronic rock have to do with finance? Whatever is up, must come down. That's up in the air, he's getting under it, this could be victory, it is! Pakistan win the World Cup! Whatever's done, must go up. My name is Hassan Ahmad and I'm the CFO of uh, What the Fast. Born in Pakistan, with stops in the UK, US and now Canada, he is now the CFO of What the Fast. We make internet better and faster for online multiplayer games. But what happened in Hassan's life before he was crunching numbers in the C-suite? One of the interviews I had was the day that Lehman Brothers had collapsed. There was a time when I had to sell my car to buy groceries. Join us as we take a look into the life of a CFO. Every day when I, when I wake up, I just look forward to the dragons that await me that day. This is Beyond the Budget. Our story begins in the 90s. Hassan was a young kid growing up in Pakistan. As you'll hear from him, he actually got into finance much earlier than you would think. So most of my early childhood was in another city called Faisalabad, and that's the third largest city in, in, in Pakistan. So I was the, I still am the eldest of, uh, of three siblings. We had a big house and uh, no separate rooms. So we just had like one room for the kids, one room for the kids, and then one room for the parents and everything. My dad was working with the government. He was not an accountant, but he was working with, with the government finances. So that's where I probably drew my early inspiration. I was good with numbers always. Interestingly, I never studied science beyond uh, the eighth grade. And I chose like business accounting, economics, and those subjects for my high school. That sort of, you know, transpired into me pursuing accounting. Accounting and computers were my two strong spots. From that, it seems like Hassan was ready to be the first preteen executive. But in reality, Hassan had other interests that laid the foundation for, as we'll learn about later, a holistic CFO. I did have a computer. Yeah, it was a four eight six bit screens and those really slow processors. So we used to play a lot of games as kids. What else would you do? We used to have DOS at that time. So you were typing commands just to play games and entering cheat codes and stuff like that. So my mom always used to be angry at us. She would always be like, oh, you, you, you guys are glued to that screen all the time. And it's not good for your eyes, it's not good for health. So cricket is, is really big in South Asia. So at that time in the 90s, Pakistan was the world champion. 
we we used to play outside quite a bit. We used to play a lot. I think it was the perfect balance of uh, being physically active and then also being virtual. On top of his computer and cricket interests, Hassan had an impactful moment early on that caused The Fat of the Land by Prodigy to become his favorite album. That is still is my favorite album and, and I'm a big fan of uh, hard rock and house music as well. So I was in my high school and one of my friends was listening to it and he, he had a CD player and he just goes, oh, you know, listen, listen to this. We just jammed for like quite, quite some time. And then, uh, so I got that off of him. I still haven't returned it. We, we didn't have access to good music and these early 2000s, you can't really walk into a CD store in, in Lahore, Pakistan, right, and, and buy that music. This love of music even drove Hassan to pursue it himself. But I bet you can't guess what happened to put a stop to that. So I did learn a little bit of music when I was in school. We had a music class. I forced my dad to buy a piano. And then I did something stupid. I plugged in the wrong adapter or something and it burned. And my dad was like, okay, that's it. I'm not going to fix it. I'm not going to buy you a new one. I spent about a fair bit of time to get that fixed, but there, there's no coming back. From, from a bird electronic item, I still remember those those cards and the, the notes and everything that I learned like 25 years ago. With his music career ending before it began, Hassan also stopped himself from dreaming too hard about becoming one of the next great cricket players. Instead, he was able to use legends like Wasim Akram as examples to drive his own ambitions forward. Becoming the next Wazim Akram, this guy was so much out of your league that, you know, even, even imagining to be the next one was off the table. Inspiration-wise, it's passion and hard work that usually get there. And then you also need a fair amount of luck. Based on what your definition of success is when you're like 15 versus when you get a reality check on, you know, when you become an artist, it is like completely different. I was probably you know, smart enough to realize that Luck is totally random. You gotta choose a career or you gotta play your odds where you're more likely to be successful. There's a very famous saying that a rich man is not the one with the more money, a rich man whose whose dreams are affordable. With his adolescence in the rearview mirror and affordable dream ahead, Hassan was ready to move forward. Although originally Hassan saw CFO as a stepping stone. When you're a teenager, like your definition of success is probably ridiculous, right? So my inspiration came from movies where you always have those, those big CEOs. So this was like still back in the 90s. Most of the CEOs of, you know, Fortune 500 companies would be CFOs at, at some point. So in, in your head, you sort of, you know, figure that out. Oh, you know, if you become a CFO, then your chances of becoming a CEO are, are higher. And that was like the ultimate goal. Like, you know, you have to be CEO of a company. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're not successful. And what, what, what are you doing in your life? Everyone in my friends group, everyone wanted to be a scientist or an engineer. But I figured out, oh, you know, if you're a CEO, then you have engineers working for you. You can be successful as an engineer, but mostly it's the guy who manages the money and it's the guy who knows how business is done. Most of my early childhood friends are in the same boat. We were the business gang and the other guys were like the science gang. And then we had these gang rivalries and these wars. <laughs> With this determination, Hassan accelerated forward, attending Lahore University of Management Sciences and the prestigious London School of Economics. 
He had an interesting answer when we asked him if, along the way, his metal was tested. No. Like, it, it, it's a flat answer, like, no. I love numbers, I love number crunching, I love technology, and I had that privilege of being at those institutions where, you know, they really open up your mind and you, you get a lot of exposure. But then there was not a single day where I would say, oh, you know, this is too hard for me, doesn't make sense, it's so challenging, maybe I should have switched. So no regrets in anything. I had a lot of flexibility in, you know, choosing my own path. I made the best of it. I'm just happy and content to say that, you know, I, I don't have any regrets at any point. Upon entering the workforce, Hassan had the world in front of him. But the world at that time didn't know front from back. One of the interviews I had was with the hedge fund, and that was the day that Lehman Brothers had collapsed. So I walked into the interview. The guys were like super stressed out, and I realized that early on that you know, this is going to go nowhere. It was already planned and scheduled, so they had to like go through the formality. So I just you know, took a seat back and just just enjoyed the show. And one thing that I mentioned during that interview was that oh, you know, it's pretty interesting that Lehman Brothers collapsed. And the folks who were interviewing me, like, they just lose it. <laughs> so at the end of the interview, the guy just handed my resume, like, he just threw it back at me. But it was pretty, pretty interesting times. Hassan found early success at his first role at the Habib Bank Limited. So much so that his one-time manager, Uzair Rabani, said that Hassan has the ability to absorb all the pressure we put on him during critical situations. At HBL, it was it was the largest corporate bank. It still is in the country, and uh, I was one of the youngest uh, relationship managers there. Maybe it was luck that landed me in that team. We had a couple of teams. I was handpicked parity for a team that had the most stressed out accounts. My first boss was very demanding. So he would put a lot of pressure on me and you would just keep changing things at the last minute. So generally, like he was a difficult person to work with. That's what everyone thought about him. This was my first job ever. So my goal was just to learn as much as I could. I would act like a sponge and whatever things that he would throw at me, would, I, I would just take it. That pressure probably did shape a lot. If you're at rock bottom, you know, it can't get any worse than that, right? You just have to go up. So you just have to hang in there. I had about 15 clients, portfolio of around 150 million USD, and everyone was having cash flow issues and interest rates were really high, economic activity was slowing down. It was very, very hard times. I learned a lot. I learned how to manage cash flow. I learned how to generate and you know, save cash from even the most mundane of things. Every day I would go out and meet these finance managers at these you know big corporations and I would learn and see how they see things and how they manage that situation. I used to interact a lot with the top business houses in the country at that time. And their vision would really you know, inspire me. Like everyone else would be really upset or crying about, oh, you know, we're, we're losing money. But those guys always had their vision out, set out, and they would always be talking about, we're going to do this in the next five years or 10 years. So if you know a way out of that pressure, that just makes it easy. I worked at that role for about two and a half years. My learning from that place was that the future is always going to be bright. Hassan had learned a lot, but it was time for him to venture out on his own. The dream of him becoming his own CEO were ones he wanted to realize. But he soon found himself in the most dire situation of his life. 
to achieve my goal of you know, being the CEO, I have to you know, sort of you know, create my own distance or create my own company at some point. One thing that I was absolutely sure of is that I'd want to work with startup companies to create a difference in the world. After I left HBL, I, I did create two startups. One of them was sort of successful and I sold that company back to my partner. So for the next like eight years, I kept trying, had a lot of ideas, founded so many different things. Uh, for some reason, things wouldn't really take off for one reason or the other. Eventually, when I moved to the Middle East, I was working with the venture capital arm of, of a university. My role was to help commercialize some of the deep technologies that were coming out from that university. So working with scientists and telling them how they can actually build and sell and raise capital and create a company out of whatever invention they had. The thing with startups is that it's very challenging to actually raise money and then it's also challenging to create and sell products. There was a time when I actually personally ran out of funds to you know, support my, myself. At that time, like one of the companies that I was working in, we had some investment that was promised, but we didn't have money in the bank. So it was a very casual type situation. And I had to sell my car to buy groceries. You look back at certain moments and challenges will always be there, but you just need to take it up a notch. Whatever challenges that you get, some of them is you know, your destiny from the universe telling you, oh, you know, this is just a cycle. Part of that is, you know, how you respond and how you deal with those situations. Whenever I'm in a difficult situation, I just try to, you know, make the best of it and learn how can I avoid doing this the next time. The thing about the universe is that if you hang out long enough, something will come sooner or later, right? You just have to not give up. Whatever goes up must come down and whatever is down, it has to go up. Maybe there weren't any grown-ups, only people who had worked hard and also got lucky and were slightly out of their depth. All of us doing the best job we could, which is all we really hope for. This is a quote from Neil Gaiman that Hassan shared on his Twitter in 2018. He shared it in part because it resonated with him during this tumultuous time in his life. The universe responded in time. Less than a year later, he became CFO of What the Fast. Everyone's an imposter. Everyone's trying to make it work and deep down, like everyone knows what they're worth. So every day you wake up, there are certain demands on you that are put on to you by your employer, by your role, by society, by your family, kids, and whatever have you. Just take one battle at a time and just make the best of it. <laughs> Hassan has been able to channel his own experience into his philosophy on money, lamenting the fact that safe bats often get more funding than virtuous ones. Money solves everything, be it solving engineering, be it, uh, you know, commercializing. People believe in ideas and in things that will actually change the world, but then they're not willing to put their money down for it. People always find things that are safe. A proven, reliable business model that can grow from 5 million to 20 million in a year is a safer bet than investing in a bio LG that can, you know, produce electricity or or, or capture carbon from the atmosphere. Typically, you would expect CFOs or you know, people in the finance industry place a lot of emphasis on money because you know, that's our bread and butter. But then in solving real world problems, money does solve everything. It doesn't buy happiness, but it can buy things that make you happy. 
In Hassan's role, he is constantly put into the position where he needs to utter the dreaded no. And while he takes it in stride, knowing what he's up against provides valuable context. Being the CFO at an early stage tech company that is still, you know, going through some growth spurts is very, very interesting. So I wear multiple hats throughout the day and I have to like keep switching back and forth. So one side is obviously, you know, the, the, the core accounting side, and you just have to make sure that, you know, all the reporting and all the transactions that we do, the revenue, the expenses, everything is like recorded fairly accurately. The other side is, you know, looking into the future. So because you're just sitting on all of that information and you have a very good pulse check of you know, how things are going and where things are, you're able to project or see what the future is going to look like. And then, so you have to be very aware of where you're spending money and where the money's coming from and how are things sort of panning out. A big side of that is because at this stage, like most of the companies are still burning money quite a bit. So priority on you what to spend, where to spend is pretty vital. Just figuring out which projects are important to the company in the long run versus which projects are important for the next couple of months. It's a constant battle every single day. I have an avatar in my company. Everyone has an avatar. And my avatar is the one with the rolling eyes. It's another way to say, oh, here we go again. No. <laughs> Managing investor expectations is another thing because we're constantly asking people for money because we're fundraising literally all the time. So getting those questions and answering investor questions is pretty tough. Sometimes those things like really get to you, where things are going and how things are at. But yeah, so overall it's fun. Just to summarize, basically, just wearing multiple hats, managing the company internally, cash flows, what's the competition doing, what's the industry looking like, and then looking at the future. Are we heading in the right direction? More than anything, Hassan knows how to slow it down. It's easy to zero in on a crisis or the high you're currently experiencing. But when you zoom out, it can offer a fascinating perspective. If I was to summarize my learnings throughout my very strange career, is that, you know, just choose your battles one at a time. Focus on one thing. It's okay to pivot. When things are not working out, that does not mean that things are not working out because it's your fault. You might happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just choose your battles wisely. Don't be afraid to fail. One thing that I've learned, I'm a risk taker and I would always wait out until the last minute before I have to do something or before I have to pivot. If you just trust the universe, trust God, what things will come. It's the law of averages. That's one thing that I actually learned from my academics. I apply it every single day. Whatever is up must come down. Whatever is down must go up. So if you're up, don't get too cocky. If you're down, don't get too demotivated. Just ride it out. When my kids are at that stage, this is what I'm going to teach them that no matter what happens, A, never lose hope. B, one thing at a time. And then C, just enjoy the ride. If you just keep at it, good things will happen eventually. You just have to be ready to jump on the opportunity. There are people who would teach you how to convert every single thing you get into an opportunity now to get the most of it. But in my experience, like if you don't know that skill, and if you just keep taking chances, you will unshot. But Hassan understands that while fortune favors the bold, equality is not the same as equity. Customers around the globe do not all fit into one box. In fact, remember what happened when he tried to buy his favorite album. The developed world is so completely different than parts of the world that are slightly less developed and then from parts of the world that are you know, completely underdeveloped. 
the amount of difference in someone's daily life, the struggles and the challenges that people face are like completely different. So in my current role, we sell a software product around the world. We are always trying to grow our company and grow revenues and grow users, acquire as much users as we can. The challenges of a customer in a different part of the world are going to be different than challenges of a customer in, in a different part of the world. So going back to that example, like you know, in the 90s, like I was not able to buy an album of Prodigy. And so one thing that I realized is that creating a good product or having a good product to sell might make sense in one region, in one culture or in one sort of economic culture. But then selling it in a different part of the world will be different, not because, you know, people don't want to pay for it. It's because maybe they don't have the ability. Hassan was eventually able to purchase a fat of the land and he still uses it to this day to pump himself up. But he isn't always go, go, go. To decompress, he listens to the fusion Sufi renditions from Coke Studio Pakistan. As I'm sure it's no surprise by now, between these two extremes is where Hassan thrives. There are times and things where you need that energy, but then there's times when you've had enough and you just want to decompress. You just have to hang in the balance. If someone was standing on a very hot piece of rock and then a very cold piece of rock, you could say that you know, they're just built balance, but there's this battle inside them, ice and fire. That conflict is, and that ups and downs are, are like part of life. Chances will come, just being ready to take them. 